Welcome to Amplifying Wellness with TLC podcast. This podcast is a place where we are dedicated to everyone's self-care and wellness. We will be sharing guest stories, information, and tips on how to live happy and healthy lives. We are Twin Life Coaching and Business Services with your hosts, myself, Barb Schutz, and my business partner and twin sister, Tara Lehman. We care about increasing awareness around self-care and mental health through our podcast, coaching, consulting, workshops, and our newest edition, our new communities. To find out more about all of our services, please visit www.twinlifecoaching.ca. As well, we always like to remind our listeners that this podcast is for sharing of stories and information only. It is not intended to be or replace any medical advice you are seeking or have received from your medical practitioner. Today, we are joined by Allie Bird, an author, speaker, trainer, and coach. Welcome to the show, Allie. Oh, thank you for having me. So before we get to a very important topic, which is grief today, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background in wellness and self-care? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I actually... Uh, became a life coach uh, in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been in the wellness space um, for quite some time. Um, but we'll get into a little bit of my story probably later. Sure. Uh, but in uh, 2022, um, I went back to school and am now a uh, registered psychotherapist um, with qualifying oh. status in Ontario. So Thank you. I, so I'm a coach. I am a therapist. Um, and I'm really passionate about bringing a social justice lens to the work that I do and making self care something that happens alongside community care. Um, mm-hmm. so that it's not all on, you know, we are meant to live in community. We are meant to connect with one another. And yeah. I think something that's really missing from our world right now is doing that work together and in support of one another. So. Um, come from a psychology coaching background and um, I'm now in the world of grief. Awesome. Thank you. So I guess we can just dive right into the, the grief um, piece there. And can you tell us why the topic of grief, grief support is so important to you and, you know, what values that holds for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, when I started doing coaching work was, I thought I knew what grief was. Um, But after the unexpected death of my husband, I learned that it was so much more than I ever understood. And what I thought was just something like, if you felt it enough, if you like confronted it enough, that ultimately one day you could overcome it. And what Mm -hmm. I've learned about grief is it not something that you fix or you cure or you heal it is something that you learn to live with. And I think there is a lot of misconceptions about what grief is and how we support people who are grieving in the Western world. And it's part of my mission to kind of teach people how to be the best kind of support that they can to the bereaved through a lens of grief literacy um, and having conversations about grief out in the open, not something Mm -hmm. that happens behind um, closed doors. And that's all really informed by by the death of my husband, and the kind of care that I received from the people around me. 
um, there's a lot of conversation that happens in support groups for Mm -hmm. bereaved people. And I'd say like anecdotally, 70% of the conversation is I feel left behind, forgotten and misunderstood. And in my own experience, not saying that it was great by any means, but I didn't feel those things from my community. You know, there was a level of, you know, unknowing that they could never learn unless they were in my shoes, but no one abandoned me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, They were all willing to remain by my side. Um, And I honestly attribute like where I am now to the care that I received, you know, in the first weeks, months, years um, into Mm -hmm. my loss and my losses. Um, And I just really want that um, for everyone. Yeah. And it's interesting. I want to go back to something that you touched on. First of all, sorry to hear about your husband, of course. Um, But I want to touch back on how you say that people don't normally talk about these types of things. And it's interesting because we've talked about menopause on our podcast earlier, and it's something that people don't Mm. talk about either. So when it comes to like those challenges of people just not talking about it, I mean, first of all, why don't we talk about it? I think it's extremely important. But what challenges are people facing? Like, why aren't we talking about it? You know, do you have any thoughts on that? I have a couple thoughts. Um, I think in terms of the why we don't talk about it, I think we've scienced our way into believing that we live forever. Mm, You know, acknowledging that we're going to die one day is not something that, um, you know, a capital, like capital system like acknowledges right like a system where you keep your head down and you make as much money as you can and you just stay on the treadmill like thinking about death there's no time for that um Mm -hmm. and then on top of that western medicine we try to save people and extend our lives like we don't know when to stop per se Mm -hmm. um and people receive care in hospitals, people die in hospitals, and it's very much removed from our community. Whereas, you know, you look back at the beginning of like, you know, hospitals have existed for only such a short time. Funeral homes too, right? We used to die at home. The funeral parlor is from like, based on the language of like, the funeral used to be in the parlor of Mm -hmm. the home, right? And we gathered as communities to mourn the loss and we don't have that kind of tangible access to death anymore. You know, if you want to learn about what it is like when someone dies, like we have to go to YouTube. Like there aren't those, those narratives within our families or with our friends being like, Oh, what is, what does a dead body actually look like? What does the process of dying look like? And then being with that as you move into a space of grief, um, and it's, it's grief is uncomfortable and mm-hmm. witnessing grief is uncomfortable too. And I think culturally we have a lot of challenge with, with staying in discomfort. You know, we can do nearly anything to numb ourselves, distract ourselves, yeah. um, to not feel discomfort. Um, and grief is just something that is uncomfortable and it can't, it can't be fixed. You can't bubble back your way out of grief. You can't. Mm-hmm you know, take, take the pill that, that makes it go away. Um, and that really challenges what we've been taught about being able to, to move through pain 
and discomfort. Yeah. Um, that's very interesting that you you say these things because it made me think about how I'm hearing more and more that funerals or wakes or visitations since COVID really don't always happen anymore. So yeah. when you think about the fact that we don't actually see, so to speak, the dead body or be able yeah. to say those types of goodbyes, I mean, I think that's a newer challenge. Are you finding that in your practice? Are you seeing that at all? Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, I, I haven't seen that specific trend, um, to be honest, but I do know that like ritual, ritual is important, Mm -hmm. right? And whether there is a formal opportunity for the ritual, be it a funeral or a celebration of life or a wake, what have you, like, you can do the formal thing, which is great, but you can also do it on your own as well. Um, So if it doesn't happen and it is something you are longing for, I would encourage someone to take on the activity and just do it on their own. Maybe it's with, you know, their partner or a close friend. It's a Mm -hmm. small, intimate group of people. You go graveside or you, you know, plant something in their honor somewhere else, have some sort of ceremony to it. And it's never too late to do the ceremony. So if you were robbed of that opportunity because of COVID or because you know, after COVID, this isn't a trend, I would say that it's not something that like, you have to rely on others to make it happen. Um, Because that that morning ritual is critical for many people to have some sort of outward expression of what that internal grief process is for them. And you're right, better late than never. Yeah, and I was going to add to that, and it may sound like a silly thing. But when we think about when we have young children, and their fish dies, and we we put on a bit of a funeral for our child to get over that. Mm-hmm. And the very next day they want a new fish. But when you think about that, it could actually be that's their first experience to something not being there anymore. That was moving around and, and, you know, looking at them through the fishbowl or whatever. Um, and it's such mm-hmm. a, 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 sometimes we do more for those types of things than, you know, we do for our loved ones who say they don't want a funeral um, or they don't want a celebration of life. But, yeah, you're right. Like, I think those things actually help you get through it. So whether it's something small, like you said, like planting a, a plant or a tree, or, you know, just having a little backyard funeral for Goldie the goldfish, it's it's all the same in how you can put closure on it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sorry, you said something there that reminded me of a story. Oh, um, <laughs> what I think is important for people to know, you know, there is there is a part of um, the morning ritual that is for you know, the person who died. Like they, you know, I advocate for, you know, taking as much ownership about that when you're alive so that it's easier for yeah. people when you're dead. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's important to remember that the morning ritual, whether that I'm using morning ritual for celebration of life or funeral, what have you, mm-hmm. that morning <laughs> ritual is not for the person who died per se. It is for the people who are grieving their death. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that a lot of people, as they're dying, they don't want people, you know, what is, what's that that poem? It's like, do not stand at my grave and weep or what have you. But there there is a reason why we stand at the grave and right. weep. There, mm-hmm. It's an outlet for this really tumultuous, uncomfortable 
you know, foreign experience that's happening in our bodies. So it's also something to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. Going back to earlier, you mentioned about how when you were going through the grief of, of your husband, that you had a really good support, a good community behind you. So what are some of the things that, you know, if somebody has to have loved one passed away or, you know, going through even somebody hasn't passed away yet, but they're terminally ill, like what are the things that family and friends can do or what worked best for you to have, what supports should we be wanting or asking others to give us? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, um, I love this question. And I teach this in my my book, which we'll probably talk about at the end of this conversation. But I think the three, I advocate that there's kind of like a framework that you should understand before you take action um, to support someone who is bereaved or, you know, someone experiencing some sort of like anticipatory grief. And the first part of it's a three part um, lesson. The first Mm -hmm. thing that you need to give that person is respect utter respect for what their unique experience with grief is because grief is unique for everyone. Um, Some people, it might be, you know, a wild emotional experience for others. It's more physical symptoms for others. It's more of a spiritual activity. It's, it's different for everyone. So you have to really respect that person's unique experience. The second one is empowerment. So you need to empower that person to do and ask for whatever it is that is going to help them survive something that is happening to them that they don't have any control over. Mm -hmm. Um, It is happening without their consent or permission. That is grief. So empowering them to do what is best for them. And then the third is just providing unconditional love because it is going to be hard to stand next to someone who is essentially like some losses can bring you back to kind of like infancy. They shatter all your assumptions about the world and how it works Mm -hmm. and how you exist in it. And it is a process of, growing and navigating and charting what life looks like again. And that's hard to stand next to someone and say, you know, I'm going to love you no matter what, whatever you look like at the, like, you know, two, three, 10 years down the road, like I'm going to love you no matter what. So, and then you fall back on the next two ones. So do whatever it is that you need to do to survive this. And I completely respect what it is that you are going through. Um, So with that framework, then I would offer what can you do to make that person's life easier and more comfortable? Mm-hmm. Stay away from fixing because we can't fix grief. Grief happens because, you know, there's a change in attachment often because it's a death. And the only thing that would fix it would be to bring that person back from the dead. And we haven't figured out how to do that yet. So nope. don't try and fix it. Focus on comfort, focus on ease. And with that, another step forward is focus on what you're really good at already. You know, we get the narrative of send food, bring flowers, and you don't have to focus on food if you're not good at food, right? You have other strengths and resources. And it's important to just do what it is that you are good at, because that's what you're going to be the best at. Mm -hmm. And that's what they need. They need your best if you are going to stand next to someone through the long haul of grief. And maybe that's even like cleaning up after yes. a celebration of life or, you know, saying, I'm going to come clean your house once a week for a month or whatever. Yes. Right? And you're, like flowers, you're right. Like flowers, you know, maybe, maybe not what you're able to give. So, or food, not all of us can cook. 
right? Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Like I have a friend who's not like poor girl, like not a, a kitchen person by any, I'm not yeah. a great kitchen person either, but like she showed up at my door with like Kleenex and Ritz crackers and she's like, I'm here. Yeah. Right? Oh, that's but awesome. she's, she has a brilliant mind and her attention to detail and she's a lawyer. So she helped me with the legal process. Like afterwards, oh, like there are so oh, many awesome. strengths that every individual has and interests too, right? Like you don't have to do food. Yeah. I, I, I want, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I wanted to um, also comment on the flowers. So I unfortunately had four losses through the summer. Um, and one of them, there was a traditional funeral for. And the mom, it was somebody who is disabled. I, I also work with disabled people. So somebody who passed away fairly young. And her mom, she's like, I don't want all these flowers here because they'll die too. So when you're in the mindset yeah. of just died unexpectedly, and then people are giving you things that are dying. And sometimes I, I agreed with her. I thought, yeah, that would actually make my grief worse because I'm watching these things also die. That was at, you know, my daughter's funeral. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I thought that is a really interesting comment that she said. And it makes a whole lot of sense. But what we're talking about right now that we have to be also mindful of what we're doing to provide that support so that it's not something that the, the person's depending on the state that they're in, in their mind, takes that as a negative or as something that makes them sadder, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think too, like Barb, that that brings up a great point is that, you know, because everyone's grief experience is so unique that, you know, those people who sent flowers, like they had their best, like the person's Absolutely. best interest mm -hmm. at heart, obviously, but, you know, they missed the mark that that mom didn't want flowers and it's quite possible you know you could internalize that and be like oh no I did something wrong but I really advocate for like the mindset in grief support is that you're doing it right if you're making mistakes mm -hmm. right so yeah. if you were a person who sent the flowers and they weren't received in a positive way like apologize for sending them and move on right try mm -hmm. something else like the worst thing that you can do like how you get grief support wrong is making a mistake or being afraid to make a mistake and then disappearing because mm -hmm. of your own, you know, desire for perfection. And yeah. the, you can't be perfect in grief support. Everybody's experience is too unique for you to be able to show up and not get anything wrong. So it's really important to have the mindset that like make mistakes, learn from them. And actually that's how relationships get stronger is when you apologize and just keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. or yeah. even asking the person what can I do to help yeah I think a lot of people forget that part too and you know yeah sometimes you get some really insightful way that they just want I don't know they just want someone to spend a couple of days with them or you know they just want someone to talk to or whatever the case might be so yeah I think that's great yeah I think that's it's a good good point too Barb is that like it's great to ask like how can I help but I would also argue that like do that reflection of like, what am I really good at first and yeah. offer it up saying like, I'm here to help you in whatever way, like, please let me know. But here's like X, Y, and Z things that I know that I can offer you and do a really good job at That's a great um, idea. to take, yeah. to take the pressure off that person because they are going to be flooded with the, let me know if you need anything. Let me yeah, know if I true. can help you. I love and that idea of giving a yeah. offering something you're you're good at doing or you know you can be confident in. I like that idea that's great yeah yeah so let me ask you this 
because I want to switch it to businesses because we've all lost somebody at work and some companies, what day do you need off? Yeah. And in a lot of times one day, I mean, if it's a spouse or, you know, immediate family member, not going to cut it. If, if, if you were to give a piece of advice to the business community that might be listening to us in our audience, what would you say a change a change that they could do that could potentially start to fix what the business world sees compared to what is needed, if that makes sense. Oof, that is a big question. Yeah, um, I know. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think we could like entirely like overhaul whatever the like the bare minimum is, like mm-hmm. like three More days time. of bereavement leave if like obviously like more time, but I also recognize that, you know, sometimes like whatever, whatever is being offered will probably not be enough. Right. Mm -hmm. You could say like, someone's going to need a year, someone's going to need two years, someone's going to need three years, and it still might not be enough. And I think there's just a larger problem that may not be solved in my lifetime. I will hold hope. Um, But I think we need a greater and more grief literate world to recognize how grief changes people. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I don't want to put like a lens of like disability on it, but there's a level of accessibility that needs to be considered when someone is, yeah. is bereaved. Um, like grief can manifest as a brain injury. And yet we like, you are cognitively impaired. Sometimes you're physically impaired and asking someone to return to work after three days, like they're not, they're not giving you their best, right? Like mm-hmm. if they are employee, like they might be present, but they're not as efficient as they probably were before the death. Um, would, would you agree so that I guess probably like just, mental health support is probably a key one, do you think? If, if I mean, offering, the, I'm not in, saying, you know, forcing, yeah, right? Yeah, no. I mean, like in, in the interim, like a men- mental mm-hmm. health, support is great but I also think like the the depth of our grief illiteracy in the world right now like forces people to go to mental health support because they everybody recognize like everybody sees them in a state of discomfort and it's like oh do you need to talk to someone where like Mm -hmm. as humans like we have the capacity to actively listen to someone like often Mm -hmm. The three main things that a grieving person needs is like validation, witnessing, and maybe a little bit of guidance. Like that can get someone through the long haul of grief, but often we don't even give them that, right? Mm -hmm. Like we've given them the three days. We think they should be over it. They're back at work. Therefore, like you should be who you were, you know, five days before your parent died or Mm -hmm. your sibling died or your best friend died. Um, even if your pet died, right? Mm-hmm. Like yes, these are yeah. like these are big things. And I think the mental health supports are places where people right now can get that validation and witnessing and guidance. But I wish that we lived in a world that recognized that grief changes us and we are allowed to change because of it, not go go talk to someone and fix yourself so you can mm-hmm. jump back into the system and help us continue making money. Yeah. We need more people like you doing That's what right. you do so that there's more talk about it. 
and more connections around. Yes. It. If you are listening to this, I will, I will come to your company. I will help. Um, See, I will there be on your go. podcast. Hire me. I am available. Let's spread the news. Let's yeah. talk. <laughs> Great. Well, I was going to ask you about what one of your biggest pieces of advice were, but I think you've already touched on a few of them. So I'm not, uh, do you have any others? I mean, the, the three that you just said, um, you know, for providing that kind of support to somebody, those are great. I like, I love those. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to add or is that where you have the most? Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would absolutely start there and it might be too much shock for anybody else anymore at this point, but I'd say like, I lay all of that out um, in my book, Grief Ally. Um, it, it starts with, with those, you know, teaching those three basic principles of grief support it talks about how you can't fix grief and then it gives you a whole way of showing up that, you know, I think everybody um, would be better off bereaved and their allies mm -hmm. um, in a world where people die. Yeah. And like yeah. I said, talk, right. Let's not be afraid about the topics that yeah. everybody kind of just pushes aside. Let's talk about it. I think that helps everybody and it can help change how we see it as a society and as in, in the business world, even right. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, if our audience wanted to learn more about you or maybe find where your book could be purchased, how can they find you online? Yeah. So you can go to my website, which is alliebird.com, which is just A L Y and bird like bird, um, or on social media, which is the Allie bird. And you can buy my book grief ally on all the major platforms where you buy books. So Amazon, Indigo, Chapters, Barnes and Noble, Audible, Apple Books, awesome. Google Books. Yeah. Anywhere you buy books, you can get it. Awesome. Thank you so much for talking to us about an extremely important topic. And we really hope that our audience will also start talking about it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you to our listeners for joining us today. We can't wait to bring you more amplifying your wellness with us and with guest stories like Allie's, sharing challenges, wins, and tips to help you on your self-care and wellness journeys. As a reminder, our new Amplifying Your Wellness with TLC community is a great place to find support for everything you need with regards to life and more. To find out more about our community and all of our services, please visit twinlifecoaching.ca. Until next time, remember, you've got this.